This is a free download from Delancey Healing Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Healing Church building at the Banks and Thompson in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyhealing.co.uk. If we think about this uh, incredible uh, Resurrection Sunday, I want to maybe bring a passage that in itself it doesn't sort of seem to indicate about the Resurrection, but everything that we're reading is a result of the Resurrection. And I just want to talk about the worthiness of Jesus, how worthy Jesus is. Because I think the resurrection, if nothing else, portrays and reveals how worthy Jesus is. So I want, to re- I want you to return to Revelation chapter 5 in your iPad, your iMac, your iPhones, your whatever else you've got. And even your Bibles. <laughs> I want to just read the whole chapter, Revelation chapter 5, because this really, really demonstrates what really what this particular weekend and celebration is all about. Revelation chapter 5, I want to read the whole chapter. It's not a long chapter, so don't get worried. Uh, Revelation chapter 5. And I saw lying on the, on the open hand of him, who was seated on the throne, a scroll, written within and back, closed and sealed with the seven seals. And I saw a strong angel announcing in a loud voice, who is worthy to open this seal? Who is entitled and deserves to break the seals and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open and take a single look at his context by the way I'm reading from the Amplified it's only thinking what on earth is that it's the Amplified okay and I wept audibly and bitterly because no one was found fit to open the scroll or to inspect it then one of the elders said, said to me, Stop weeping. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome and conquered. He can open the scroll and break its seven seals. And there between the thrones and the four living creatures, among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though he'd been slain, with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, the sevenfold Holy Spirit who has been sent into all the earth. Then he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders prostrated themselves before the Lamb. Each was holding a harp, and they had a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people, the saints. And now they sing a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to break the seals that are on it, For you are slain, and with your blood you have purchased men unto God from every tribe and language and people of nation. You've made them a kingdom, a priest to our God, and they shall reign as kings on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels on every side of the throne, of the living creatures and the elders, and they numbered ten thousand times ten thousand, thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, deserving as the Lamb, who has sacrificed, shall receive all power, riches and wisdom and might and honour and majesty. And I heard every created thing in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them crying together to him who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb 
be ascribed blessing and honour and majesty, glory and splendour, power and might and dominion forever and ever, through eternities to eternities. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders prostrated themselves and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Isn't that awesome? Almost, you know, the word revelation actually means an unveiling. It's almost, almost, it's almost our eyes are open to what's going on in, in the heavenly realm that we can't physically see, but there's this amazing picture of the heavenly realm. Ever ask yourself this question? Is it worth following Jesus? Ever thought about that? Maybe for some of us, we've lost friends. I know people who've even lost families. I know people who've lost jobs. I know people who've kind of lost all kinds of things. People who've had to sacrifice things, say no to certain things in life. And there's a cost. And here's the issue. Is it worth it? I want to say this morning, it's worth it because he's worth it. And really, Revelation 5 is this incredible description of the worthiness of Jesus. On this occasion, the Apostle John is caught up in the heavens and there's this sealed document. Nobody was worthy enough to open its seals. The seal really, it's a picture, what that seal is, it's it's a, a title deed of the earth. And the person who has the scroll has the right to rule the world and fulfil God's purpose for the human race. And in the Bible days, they kind of wrote this on an animal skin and, and they kind of rolled it up and they sealed it with wax. And John was caught up in the heavens and he saw this dilemma taking place. And they were sobbing and weeping because there was no one worthy enough to open the scroll. No one. The question, who is worthy? And the entire planet was searched. Every generation, every person from every generation, every age, and no one was foiled. No, there was Abraham, not David, not all the great men of the Bibles, no one in every generation of every age, from the sons of Adam and Eve and the, the daughters, not one was found worthy of enough. And John began to weep. Because the human race had failed to be what it was supposed to be. Because there's what you to see. If there was no one worthy enough to open the scroll, that means the devil wins. That means there's no atonement. That means there's no forgiveness. That means there's no heaven. And he began to weep because no one was worthy enough. And suddenly, someone who was totally unequaled, supreme, stands. And his name is Jesus. And only he alone is worthy enough to open that scroll. And I love this picture in verse 6. It basically says he just walks over and he takes a scroll. The Lamb took the whole title deed for the planet that was under a curse. And the Lamb, and only He, was worthy enough to open that scroll. Isn't that amazing? 
And you see the lamb throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible, there is the lamb. In Genesis, he's the sacrificial lamb. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Isaiah, he's the lamb led to the slaughter. In the Gospels, he's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. In Peter, he is the precious lamb. In Revelation, he is the worthy lamb. That's interesting. Isaiah 53 is the central chapter of the whole Bible. Isaiah 53 is the centre chapter in the whole Bible. The centre of Isaiah 53, here it is, it's the Lamb. So the very centre of the Bible is the Lamb. He's the central figure. He's the centre of everything. And here's the challenge really. As we think in the Bible, he's the centre of everything. We've got to make sure he's the centre of our lives. He's the centre of your marriage. He's the centre of your family. Everything we do is all about Jesus. Everything. He must be the centre of everything we do. It's all about Jesus. It really is. It's all about Jesus. Is that right? It's all about Jesus. In fact, I'd say this. The reason why we want people to be saved is so that Jesus receives the honour and the glory. The reason why people are healed is so that Jesus can receive the glory. The reason why people's lives are transformed is so that Jesus can receive the glory. Everything takes place. It's all got to be about Jesus being glorified. Can you say amen? My favourite group, I suppose my favourite church history group is the Moravians. I love the Moravians. They're my favourite church history group of all, all the various things. You know, they prayed every day. They had a, a, they had a prayer 24-7 for 100 years. Can you imagine that? 24-7 every day for 100 years. That's how much they prayed for. Every day for 100 years. Wow. That's awesome, isn't it? They really were the first, since the early church, were the first movement, if you like, to send missionaries throughout the world. They really got the the height of missions. And they sent missionaries out all over the world. This was their theme. This is what gripped their heart. This was their theme. Wherever they went, they said this, that the lamb who was slain might receive the reward of his suffering. That was their theme. That was a central theme. There's one story where there's some of the Moravians who sold themselves as slaves. As they were on the boat, about to depart, they cried this cry. But the lamb who was slain might receive the reward of his suffering. That's what gripped them. When that becomes the central motivation of our hearts, I think God just does awesome things. When that he might receive the reward of his suffering, and that grips us, that motivates us, that becomes the motivation of every little thing we do. And God's about to do amazing things. But the lamb who was slain 
might receive all the glory and might receive the reward of his suffering. He's the central figure. He's the one it's all about. We see his worth. Let me give you three reasons why I believe this morning he's worthy. Here's the first thing. The weakness of humanity. No one was worthy enough. No one could measure up. And all hope is gone until he appears on the scene. And John is told, weep no more for the Lamb, the one who is worthy enough. He's done it. I was just thinking so often that often our importunity is God's opportunity. It's almost that when you come to an end of your own resources, when you begin to see your own inability and your own weakness and your own vulnerability, you then become a candidate for a miracle. Because he's the one who's mighty. He's the one who nothing is impossible. And John is writing to show the insufficiency of men, but the sufficiency of Jesus. He wants you to see how powerful he is, even though we are weak. He wants you to recognise how often powerless we are, but how powerful he is. He's the mighty one. You go down there in verse 7, it kind of reveals the power of Jesus. The number 7 in the Bible, as I'm sure most of you are aware of it, is the number of perfection. The number of perfection, number 7. First thing we're told, we'll talk about the, the horns. About these horns. And horns actually speak of, of strength and power. And it's saying that Jesus is perfect in power. He said, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me, and because that's given unto me, I give that to you. They'll go therefore into the world, lay hands on the sick, preach the gospel, because my power is sufficient. Speaks of the eyes, which speaks of wisdom. Jesus is perfect in wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, let them ask God. He gives us wisdom in all kinds of work situations, family situations. He's the one who gives wisdom. He's perfect in wisdom. The Bible speaks of, of the seven spirits and it, it speaks of, of, of God's omnipresence. He says, I am with you always. You know what the antidote to fear is, don't you? It's knowing God's with you. If you try to kind of rationalise your fear and try to, to work it out, you'll never really deal with it. The way to deal with fear is to develop a God consciousness. Think about this. Whatever you are most conscious of right now, is what really rules in your life. So if you're, more, if you're more conscious of fear, then fear will rule you. Whatever you're most conscious of is what rules you. And so what we need to deal with to, to overcome that is to develop a God consciousness. To, develop a, to, to, be, to be more conscious of the fact God's with me than whatever else is against me. And that means we've got to spend time with him in his presence. We've got to spend time in his word. We've got to spend time... In, with him, because we want to develop a God consciousness. Not just these moments at the beginning of the day, but throughout the day. Talk to him. In your workplace, driving your car, whatever you're doing, just develop that God consciousness. God, you're with me right now. I thank you. I praise you. And just begin to develop that as, as a development in life. Whatever you're doing, just develop that consciousness. God's with you. And the moment you do that, 
you begin to see all the various fears begin to lift because you become more conscious that God's with you than anything else in life. Can you say amen? He's worthy. The lamb who was slain. Here's the other thing. Thought about this. If someone's slain, Hanley would think that that means you shouldn't be standing. I was to get Jeff right now and kind of slay him. Hanley would think that he wouldn't be standing. We're going to use that as an illustration. We'll forget that one. But he wouldn't be standing. But here's this point. He's the lamb that was slain, but he's standing. Because he said this, I was dead, but now I am alive and I live for one and I live forevermore. Isn't that awesome? He was slain, but he's standing and saying, I'm alive. I was once dead. I was once put in the grave. I was once put in the tomb, but now I'm alive forever. Slain, but now alive. And when you read verse 11, it kind of strikes me. Someone worked out. Now, why people do this, I do not know. But someone once worked out how many angels that meant. And this was the number, this was the conclusion they'd come to. 100 trillion angels. That's a lot of people, that's a lot of angels. We can't even picture a trillion, let alone 100 trillion. And I just got this amazing thing thinking. Sometimes we think so much against us, but look who's for you. Trillions of angels, the Holy Spirit, the promises of God, Jesus working for you. He is for you. And I was just thinking that. But in Revelation 4, as you read this, John describes angels and rainbows and thrones and thunders, all this kind of stuff. But he never mentions the Lamb. It's only almost in Revelation 5 when suddenly he's kind of reminded. The suddenly he sees the lamb. I'm just thinking, isn't it easy in life to get so distracted that we lose sight of what it's all about? All right. We get so caught up with so many other things going on, we lose sight that ultimately it's all about him. And if nothing else this morning, I think God wants to kind of prompt us and stir us and say, remind yourself what it's all about. It's about the Lamb who's the central figure, the one to be worshipped and adored and praised. But that's the first thing. He's worthy because of our insufficiency. We couldn't save ourselves. We could not do anything about it. He's the only one who stepped in in man's total inability. That's the first reason he's worthy. Here's the second reason he's worthy. Because he created all things. The answer is, he's worthy because he created everything. That's the reason we kind of live for Jesus. He is, the Bible says, he's created all things for his pleasure. Everything's created for his pleasure. That's the heart of God. He, you know, everything he does, he does for his pleasure. And here's the amazing thing. This is an incredible thing. That when you live for his pleasure, it brings you pleasure. Isn't that amazing? It's almost, as I'm living for his pleasure, living for his enjoyment, that makes me enjoy him, enjoyment. What a word. He makes it pleasurable to me. The greatest way to have true pleasure is to live for his pleasure. The more I live for his pleasure, the more I enjoy life. You see, 
Obedience brings him pleasure. Is that right? Those things bring him pleasure. Faith brings him pleasure. Trust brings him pleasure. Worship brings him pleasure. It's all for his pleasure. Someone said this, he never carved his signature in the mountains, but created it. He never patterned the sun, but he created it. He never kept a copyright for a bird song, but he created it. Verse 13 tells me the amazing thing. There's going to come a time when all creation will worship him. The whole of creation will demonstrate and will declare his glory. How awesome. He is the one who says, live for my pleasure. How do we live for his pleasure? By making him Lord of everything in our life. Because that brings him pleasure. How can you tell when Jesus is Lord of everything you do? Really, it's demonstrated, really, on, in how you spend your time. How you spend your money. How you fulfill your desires. Where your appetites are. Where your relationships are. Where all these things are, reveal his lordship. Isn't it amazing? He can be Lord of the whole universe, but not Lord of the human heart. That brings him incredible pleasure. And out of your willingness of heart, you say, Lord, I want to bring you pleasure in everything I do. I was trying to think of his name. His name, I couldn't think of it. But the guy who, ever seen Chariots of Fire? Remember that film? Now he's the guy who's this great runner. Remember he's the Christian guy, the great runner. And he said, I always remember he said this in the film. He says this, he says, when I run, I run for God's pleasure. Oh, that was really cool. It almost, I take my gifts, I take my abilities, I take my resources, and I say, God, here it is, use it for your pleasure. Everything I do, I do for your pleasure. It's interesting there, it talks about harps, and often we get this idea of heaven, that we're sitting on, in, on a cloud playing a harp in heaven, but harps do have incredible symbolic powers, or revelation. We term Psalm 137, because, let me get a hold of this, because this is what happens, when we lose the ability to to live for his pleasure, something begins to happen. And in Psalm 137, there's a picture of what happens when we lose sight of the ability to live for his pleasure. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. We wept. We were earnestly remembered Zion. On the willow trees in the midst of Babylon, notice this, we hung up our harps. Let's see this incredible connection. I live for his pleasure that brings me joy. And there's this sense today that, that often people can kind of give up their harps. They can lay, lay up their harps. They've lost the song in their hearts. They've lost their joy. I think often the reasons this happens is because we actually think to come to a place of total lordship is actually going to make us miserable. It's the devil's greatest lie to tell you that if you really live for his pleasure in everything you do, everything you are, then actually at some point you're going to lose out. You're the one that will lose out. 
And that's one of the great lies and deceptions of the enemy. To make lordship sound as if you lose out on life, you lose out on everything. I've often said to people, do you honestly believe that Jesus missed out on everything in life? There's the point. If I live for his pleasure, I'm going to have the most amazing life of joy outgoing. I'm not saying you're never going to have a problem. I'm never going to say you're never going to have a difficulty. But one thing you're going to have is incredible joy. We as a family have been doing laughing. How many of you have heard the song Happy? How many of you have heard that song Happy? There's all kinds of... They're actually creating what they call a happy day. Have you noticed so? In fact, United Nations a few weeks ago declared this song to be a happy day for the world. And this song's gone everywhere. Everybody's doing this happy song. It's, re- it's really good. I, I quite like it, actually. It's really quite good. But here's the point. True happiness is never found outside the Lordship of Christ. The more he's Lord, the more joy I have. I'd encourage you to do the happy song. You know, do dance around, do everything else. But the point is, true joy is found in living for his pleasure. And I'm just wondering that maybe when we lose sight of that, it's this picture we're hanging up our hearts. And the joy that once permeated our hearts can so easily evaporate there. There's a last reason why I believe he's worthy. He's worthy because the right of conquest. They said, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's worthy to be praised because at Calvary he conquered death, he defeated sickness, bondage, emotional hurt and pain. He redeemed us and brought back everything the devil stole. And I believe his blood is still effective now as it was 2,000 years ago. You know, I just think it's an amazing picture today. Almost blood, you know blood's a circle. Where do you think blood began? You know where it began? It began in heaven. Because the Bible says the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So in a sense, it began in heaven. From heaven, that blood came to earth. And in Old Testament, there were shadows and types that revealed the picture of the blood. It was fully manifested in Jesus when he shed his blood on the cross. But what began in heaven... The Bible says, then Jesus went to the holies of holies and there he poured out his blood. It began in heaven and it finished in heaven. I want you to think about this. Why did the blood need, in a sense, to be poured out in the heavenness? You know why that is? It's so you can enter into it. (laughs) Therefore, we have boldness to enter the holies of holies because the blood of Jesus has been shed. That we now can come to the very throne of heaven because the blood has been dead, been, been shed for us. Isn't that awesome? I just love it. That he's worthy because of conquest. He defeated every single thing, the devil. He defeated sin. He defeated everything. He's worthy of praise because of conquest. Here's the last thing. I mean, like my, where's it gone? I say, my crown. Let me turn, you know, Revelation 4. Let me turn to Revelation 4 a little bit before that. Here's the final truth. I just want you to really get down into your hearts today. It says in Revelation 4, verse 10, Then the 24 elders who were sitting on the throne, they worshipped him who lives forever, and they threw down their crowns before the throne. What did they do? They threw down, it says in the next verse, crying out, Worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. You know what? 
Bible speaks about the, that every single believer will stand before the, the, the judgment seat of Christ. Now when he says about the judgment seat, won't, we won't be judged for our sin, but we will be judged according to how we have lived our lives on earth. The things we've done for God, our service for God. And the Bible says that because of our service for God, remember this isn't judgment, this is, it's a place of rewards that we will receive various crowns. I haven't got time to go into all of them. There's five crowns in the Bible, but we won't go into all that. But the fact is that, the, that we will receive a crown. You know what ultimately that crown represents? It represents your life. Your life. It represents your life. All that you've done for God on this earth, your service for God on this earth. How about you, but sometimes I get this picture and... It's almost a coronation day. That can be awesome. A coronation day. In a sense, we have our names, different names called out. I think of those that have gone before, you know, John Wesley, all these amazing people. They'll be going their crown. And then your name will be called. And God, I just see my pictures. Maybe it's just me. I'm just kneeling there. And, and Jesus comes and he puts his crown on my head. Think about it. What do they do with their crowns? Remember, this is... This sums up the whole of their life because when you see Jesus face to face, there'll be something in you that want to respond back. They want to give him something back. What they did, and they received their reward, which summed up all that they did in their life, summed up their service for God. Because they saw he was so worthy, the Bible says they just cast their crowns before his nail print feet. They cast their crowns before him. It was an act of showing how worthy he was. They cast their crowns before him. Cast their crowns before him. I tell you, that crown that represents your life you want to have something that you will give to him. You know what you begin to realise? You'll begin to realise without him, there was no salvation. If it wasn't for him, you'd be, you would still have died in your sin. If it wasn't for him, there'd be no forgiveness. If it wasn't for him, there'd be no heaven. If it wasn't for him, there'd be no Holy Spirit. If it wasn't for him, there'd be no personal relationship with God. And suddenly you'll be aware of what that means. The full, utter reality of that will burn in your heart. The full reality of heaven, the full reality of not being rightly related to him would have struck your heart. And being forgiven. I wouldn't be here right now. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be cast away. There'd be no heaven. There'll be no forgiveness of sin. There'll be no heaven for me if it wasn't for Jesus. And so you'll take your crown, which reveals the rewards your life lived on here on earth. You say, absolutely, I've got, to give, I've got to give something to him. I've got to give him everything I am because only he is worthy enough to receive that in my life. Imagine that, all that your life's under. It's why the story summed this up to me. Some of you may not know this, but I kind of like speed skating. When I was young, believe it or not, 
I used to do speed skating. I know that's, you won't believe it now, but I did. Don't think about it too much, because it might not be good for you before, before lunch. Uh, but, I, but I really did. I love speed skating. I used to do speed skating. And so this story particularly, this story particularly kind of made me think. Because this, this guy actually, he was the highest gold medal winner for, for speed skating. An Argentinian guy. And he won more medals, gold medals for speed skating more than anybody else. Something like seven gold medals he won. Somebody went to his house because they wanted to look at his gold medals. And when they went to his house, there were no gold medals there. And so they said to him, where are your gold medals? That's what we've come to see, all your gold medals. So I'll tell you what I did with my gold medals. I took my first gold medal and I gave it to my mum. <laughs> it was a good thing to do. So I gave it to my mum because they're the fact. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here anyway. <laughs> it wasn't for her love, wasn't for her support, so I gave her my first gold medal. So I took my next gold medal and then I took it to my coach. Because my coach had been the one who inspired me, who encouraged me, who gave me all the help, all that I needed. I would never have won it if it weren't for my coach. So then I went to, a, to, to, my, to my best friend and I gave him my other gold medal. That says, if it wasn't for you, I'd never have made it. You're the one who supported me. You're the one who encouraged me. You're the one who spurred me on. And so he went to all these people. Finally, he went to his church. He was a Christian. He went to his church and says, I want to give this gold medal to the church. I want to thank you, because if it wasn't for your prayers, I would not have made it. And so he gave his gold medal. So he literally gave all his gold medals away. Now here's the picture. That's exactly what I'm talking about when one day we're going to stand before Jesus. Heaven's an awesome place. Imagine heaven. It's a real, real place. Pavements of gold. You're not going to spend the rest of your life sitting on a cloud playing a harp. It's a real place with real things, with real people, with real things. But i tell you one thing you'll do. That when you see Jesus, when you see what he's done for you, when, when you really comprehend that what he's saved you from, when you see that, that how you've been forgiven, because sometimes we only see at this earth through, a, through like a, a glass thinly, we don't fully understand it. And Easter and what Easter resembles suddenly becomes so alive in our hearts when we see Jesus face to face. When our life here on earth has come to that end and we're seeing him face to face and we see the awesomeness of heaven, the glory of heaven, all, the, the, all we've come into, all we've entered into, and then we receive these rewards... All you want to do is say, Jesus, I throw this at your feet because you are worthy. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here anyway. And they cast their crowns before him. How many see Jesus is worthy today? And they recognize the awesomeness and, and the worthiness of Jesus. And here's the real question because let me close with this. We're in like Billy Graham. Billy Graham is actually 95. He's his 95th birthday this year. He had this party. In that party was people like Donald Trump and uh, different really high presidents, all sort of people. And he tells a story of what happened. That ten years previously, he literally almost died. And he says, during that moment, he almost died. As amazing as it was, he said his whole life just passed before him in a moment. People talk about it, but he said, in that moment, my whole life passed before me. My crusades, 
every single detail of my life. It just in a moment, it's almost God took it in a moment, just saw it in a moment. His whole life passed before him, just in that moment. And I think sometimes we need to recognise that, that that what we want to do is that we need to make Jesus the centre of all that we do. We want to make him the centre. We want to make him the focus. We want to make him the motivation. Because when comes that moment we have that crown, we'll realise how vital it was we did that. Amen? There's certain things that aren't going to mean, they're not going to mean a thing. Amen? Is that right? Certain things, I'm not, in that moment, they're not going to mean a thing. They really aren't. But serving Jesus, living for him, that's what's going to really mean. He's worthy. Let's just stand for a few moments right now. Let's just praise him. Just praise him today. He's worthy. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. He's worthy. This Easter, let's recognise how worthy he is. Well, let's thank him right now for how worthy he is right now. Say, Jesus, I thank you this Easter that you're worthy. You're worthy because of man, my own inability to save myself. You're worthy because you created all things and you, all, you hold all things together by the word of your power. And thirdly, you're worthy because of your conquest. And now I just come and, and in that sense that I cast my crown before you. Cast everything, the only thing that I do, I just honour you and praise you. Hallelujah. Lord, we, we just want to come before you this morning. And we want to declare the Lamb that was slain is worthy. Lord, we thank you for your worthiness today, Lord. Thank you for, if it wasn't for you, Lord, we'd still be in our sin. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be forgiven. If it wasn't for you, Lord, Lord, we'd be separated from, from God. If it wasn't for you, Lord, we don't even know where we'd be. Some of us might not even be here, alive if it wasn't for you. And so, Lord, we want to today just come and declare the Lamb that was slain is worthy of all honour and praise and glory. Lord, we thank you today. We declare your worthiness. We declare your power. We declare your glory today, that you alone are worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just lift your voice. Just praise and thank you. He's so worthy right now. He's worthy of honour and praise and glory. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.